get connected with Take Two Radio on Facebook or Twitter at Take Two Radio. For email updates on future shows, follow at Blog Talk Radio. For previous episodes, upcoming guests, and more, visit Take2Radio.com. Welcome to the Mauer Report. I'm your host, Jim Mauer. Before the Fast Hour and Paranormal Talk Radio starts, please go over to Facebook.com slash italkparanormal and give it a like. And leave a message telling me what show you're listening to. I enjoy the fan feedback. The opinions expressed on the Mallard Report are those of the host and participants and are not intended to and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of any simulcasting radio network or sponsor. All listeners are advised to make their own decisions. If you're looking for a radio show where all things Welcome to the Mauer Report. My guest is Dr. Rita Louise. We were just talking, and I originally cut her off about something, but we'll get back to that in a few minutes. How are you doing tonight, Rita? I'm doing great, Jim. Thanks for having me on the show. I've been waiting to come on, but I'm here now. Yay! Uh, that's the, I mean, we, we've, well, you, we've known each other. For, we were just talking about moving your show. We'll get to, Like I said, we'll get to that, but, boy, I've been listening, well, off and on listening to your show for quite a while now, so... Yeah, it is exciting. Hey, the good news is people still want to come on my show, and I still have a show, so that's the good thing. <laughs> <laughs> haven't I haven't um, made everybody mad enough not to listen or to want to be on, so maybe I'm well, not trying hard mean. enough, or maybe I'm trying too hard. I don't know. So I don't know. We'll we'll, we'll debate that later. So the first <laughs> thing, I, first, let's get to let's get to the uh, the main reason you're here. Well, I don't want to say that because that's not true. I I want to talk about all these things and help you out here with all these things, but the new project, or the new, new book. New project. The new book, I guess. I don't even know if I want to call it the new project after looking at some of these things I've got wrote down here. Uh, the uh, man-made chronicles. Man-made chronicles yeah. of our extraterrestrial gods. You're probably sick of talking about it. background sound of fine effect. Actually, you know, I have some really exciting news, although I don't have the paperwork in my hand. Um, I was approached by a publisher, and they want to pick the book up and actually, like, real publish it and everything. I'm like, that's, that's exciting stuff. That's exciting stuff. Actually, I had a Jim DeFelice on, who's a Ameri- uh, co-author of American Sniper, New York Times bestseller on a few weeks ago. And he, I, I loved his answer. I was asking about being on the New York Times bestsellers list, and he's like, after you've done it once, it's kind of, eh. I'm like... I, I've I've talked to so many authors that would give their left hand to be on that list, and he's just like, eh. So, but that's a good step You know, I'm forward. happy when it shows up on Amazon, you know, <laughs> and then people buy it. It's like, woo! I know, it's exciting. It's, uh, so, okay, so tell me, okay, give me the synopsis of the book so we can get that out of the way. Well, okay. <laughs> I'm like, how much time do you have? Well, okay, I, so basically... You know I have man- an hour. We just talked about that, but... <laughs> <laughs> Basically, man-made looks at the history on our planet and approaches – actually, I'm going to make it even simpler. You know, I'm sure many of your listeners have watched the Ancient Alien series on TV and are familiar with the concept of a group of extraterrestrials having come to the Earth at some time in our distant past. And so kind of going along with that general premise, one of the things that we did is we surveyed mythology from around the world – and put it into a chronology of, you know, this happened, then this happened, and then these wars, and then this, and then this, um, which is very clear in the mythological record. But no one's actually taken stories from different cultures and put them side by side so that you can get a much deeper understanding of what our history is about. One of the things that we learned in doing this was that, you know, if everybody's saying the same thing, there must be some truth to it. You know, so you think about, like, 
you know, a murder case, you know, and there are eyewitnesses, you know, what the detectives look for are the commonalities of the narrative to say, okay, well, this must be the piece of truth. And that's what we look for in the mythological record for where the South Americans, the Australians, the Chinese, the Europeans were all telling very similar stories and compared them and said, well, they're really telling the same story and included those in the narrative because it adds a lot of impact that way. Yeah, it's always amazing some people, you know, it seems so obvious to go look and compare those things, but now, now that you mentioned it, I never, well, of course, I never would have thought to do it, but, you know, it's just, sometimes it's baffling with some, you know, some things that people come up with. So, I'm going to steal one of your cheat sheet questions. I was just talking about getting your cheat sheet ready in one of the chat rooms here, so. <laughs> so uh, Yeah, I always have a cheat sheet. <laughs> I, well, I have a big one tonight, but, uh, you know. Uh, the parallels between mythology and the modern UFO. I I've, I just wanted to ask that one. I'm glad you put that on there so I could think of it to remember to ask. Well, you know, we were talking a little bit before the show about my radio show, Just Energy Radio. Try not didn't mean to do a little selfless plug, but I'm just going to put it there. Uh, okay, anyway. there's one we can do that, and that's right, JustEnergyRadio.com for anybody that may be wanting it. Um, you know, but I interview people that are UFO people, and, you know, it's not my big area. You, you know, I've been talking about ruins and health and all kinds of stuff, but UFOs. But in writing the book, one of the things that we kept finding were, well, I mean, it was kind of hard to not run into the whole extraterrestrial concept. And in the little bit that I did know about UFOs, etc., um, it became really validated and where it became extremely compelling to me, uh, which is going to be included in a new book that I'm working on or haven't quite started, but will be, um, is the whole concept of the underground bases. You know, like they talk about the one in Dulce and some of the, you know, tunnels that go under uh, Peru and all over the place. And those concepts and the cities underneath the earth there are story after story after story of these underground realms that you find coming out of the UFO community. Um, one of the other things, when you kind of pay attention to the stories, you hear of UFOs in the sky. Well, in mythology, there are a group of quote-unquote sky gods. Um, in mythology, you find that there are a group of gods that are associated with the water, um, you know, and so we're in another place that we hear of UFOs coming from, but the USOs, the underwater versions. And then also with the underground bases, you know, you hear of ships, you know, coming out of the side of a mountain. And there is a group, you know, what we normally think of as hell, that live inside the earth or underneath the earth. And so, you know, even those three areas that in contemporary ufology um, you hear stories of sightings, we find parallels to those areas being the homes of the gods. You know, and, and with that said, you know, when we think of heaven, you know, if you, if you twist the concept in the Western world, it's like, what is heaven? Heaven is where God lives. And so if you use that concept of where God lives, it's where the gods live. And in some cultures, especially like in India, they talk about these sabas. It was one of my favorite things to learn about. These sabas are like the uh, Star Wars Death Star. Not Death Star, but, uh, oh, God, the, the Star Destroyers. You know, those giant triangular ships. They were huge. And one of the things they talk about is these ships, they were like, 100 by 300 miles, and that was the really small one. I mean, that's still huge. And it could travel. It is. Um, I know, but it's, just, it's funny to think about something being, you know, small to somebody else that's so big to me. It's just, sorry. Continue. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and one of the things they talk about, this place that's the home of the gods, um, could move at the whim whim of the owner. And so it wasn't that it was kind of like, 
You know, in Greek mythology, we think of Mount Olympus and it's on sitting on the top of the mountain. These homes of the gods actually could move anywhere, including underneath the water. So pretty interesting stuff. And that doesn't include like the fiery chariots that you hear about. That's, that's how they get to these Sabas is in their chariots and other celestial craft. Wow. It'd make it easier to uh, avoid getting overthrown if you could just pick up and move your whole bit, your whole city. Your whole, your whole, yeah, no kidding. Um, I mean, that's one point. One of the other things that we find out is that the uh, there are like four different factions that are all described as being physically different. Okay, and we're not talking about, like, different races of humans. We're talking about different. There are the sky gods that are identified as being, you know, the white, you know, long hair, beard, mustache, that kind of group. Uh, Colonel Sanders? <laughs> possibly. You know, in contemporary <laughs> ufology, uh, many people would associate them with the Nordics, uh, putting a, a contemporary spin on it. There are a group of these aquatic, semi-reptilian, semi-fish-like fertility gods uh, that live in the watery deep. Um, you know, so they're half man, half fish, half man, half snake, half man, half some kind of reptilian, reptile-like character. Um, so that's one of the other groups that has a role of political power on the earth in mythology. Um, there is the god of the underworld, where there really aren't any descriptions of what this guy looks like. In some cultures, and really where I'm getting this from is from Egyptian, um, Osiris has kind of a blue continent to him. Um, and there are many people that associate, um, like in Indian culture, you know, all of the gods kind of are blue-looking um, to that god of the underworld. You know, so that one's a little bit of a question, but he's always associated with the South. And then there's another group that tends to get dropped out of mythology, and they're kind of a mixed bag um, of people because they they didn't have, like, a total autonomy power role. Um, and this would be a group that are sometimes identified as the giants, sometimes identified as the dwarfs, or sometimes, uh, characteristically speaking, they look like some kind of a monster. They have horns or fangs or something bizarre going on with them. And so depending on the culture, what that group looks like, like the Norse, they're the dwarfs. You know, if you're more in uh, the Middle East, they're giants. You know, so it really depends on what culture it is, what that group looks like. But in many cultures, they, there are three primary ruling groups or two primary ruling groups and the first ones to drop off the face of the map because they were kind of like the worker bees of the ruling you know they were the workers of the ruling class um they just kind of get dropped off i mean it's, it's kind of political if you ask me um but you know but everybody has those people you know yeah so it's pretty interesting and you know, but in today's uh, ufology, that's pretty much what you find. You find those same descriptions of people. Um, you know, as far as, you know, the white Nordic gods, the reptilian gods. Um, what's interesting is that you don't really hear of the greys per se, um, which is, you know, a very common thing these days for people to talk about the greys. There are some people that speculate in Native American culture they would talk about the ant people and how they spent time living with the ant people during different uh, apocalyptic, whether it was battle, you know, apocalypse from battle or natural stuff, that they lived with the ant people under the earth. Um, but are, we, are they talking about grays? You know, there's not anything that says, oh, yeah, and they're grays. And we don't really have pictures. There's just more or than I'm aware of. Um, but there's just, you know, this narrative of the ant people. But, it, you know, it would kind of reminisce 
the concept of a gray to you, you know, kind of those little angular eyes and that triangular kind of face. So they're everywhere. That's just, you've just blown my mind. Okay. First, I, I'm going to do this. I'm going to try to – I've been trying to get better about this. You'll appreciate this. It's the Mauer Report, and my guest tonight is Dr. Rita Lorise. I've been trying to get better about that. Okay. I forget to do it often. Uh, so you're just See, I never do that. I never do that. So See? thank you. See? I guess I'm not the only one. Okay. High five. That's <laughs> Well, I just get all into it, and then it's like, oh, yeah, we need to go to break. Well, see, I don't take a break, but I, sh- I try to remind people who the, the listener is. I mean, who the listener is. The listener who the guest is, so I can't <laughs> even talk. I think last week I said the, the train has sailed on that one, so I think we're probably... Train, huh? The train <laughs> has sailed on that one, so, yeah. yeah okay. It happens from time no to time. Comment. <laughs> no comment. And, that, and that, that's the man-made chronicles of the extraterrestrial extraterrestrial gods. Easy for me to say, of course. Of course. And I have that already in my in my post-show blog that I'm typing. Well, I've already started, apparently. So that's pretty cool. I'm getting ahead of myself. That's good. Uh, hey. <laughs> so let's talk. Okay, we're going to shift gears. Change, okay. the ener- change the energy a little bit. Uh, uh, I see, I'm getting better at that, too. Um, the Institute for Applied Energies. Energetics. Energetics. Yes. Yeah. My hand, my handwriting. I'm lucky I got energy out of that. Um, so you're the founder of that. So what, what's going on over there? Well, tell me a little bit more about that. Well, I mean, the Institute of Applied Energetics is a distance learning training program for people that are interested in becoming a medical intuitive, uh, intuitive counselor, a.k.a. psychic, or a energy medicine practitioner. And it is a professional level uh training program and it doesn't mean that it's hard it means that when you're done with the training you will feel competent you know as my dad would like to say you know to hang a shingle and start a practice um, I have done uh, a number of different kinds of trainings, you know like certification training and you go and you you know you're like well it's 150 hours of training so you think when you're done with the whole thing um, you would feel comfortable you know, seeing people and and creating a practice, but you really don't. And so this really gives you, it takes you into a lot of different areas. You learn how to do multiple techniques in energy healing. Uh, You learn how to do like tarot readings and past life readings and work with the energy centers and work on clearing the aura and clearing past life issues. I mean, it is very inclusive um, with the stuff that it teaches you how to do or exposes you to. Because when you're doing readings or you're doing energy work or you're doing medical intuition evaluations, it's like no two people are alike and no two people need the same thing. And so having more experience and more uh, tools to work with give you a better opportunity to help more people. I mean... You know, I love chiropractic, but, you know, some of the things that they say kind of irritate me, you know, because you'll get the line, well, you know, we could fix a flat tire in your car with chiropractic adjustments. And it's like, right. Um, well, wait, wait. Let me slow it. They, no. No. That's like me well, saying okay. I, I, I could fix your financial system by you listening to my show. Okay, no. so, all right, maybe I just kind of took it a little over the top, but, I mean, I've heard them say things. I know, like, I've, well, I've heard, know, I've heard the same, same things. Yeah, okay, so, I mean, I think people that know, they know. Anyway, um, see, now I, like, totally forgot where I was going. I know, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, we, we were talking okay. about the different things that, that people learn there, so how... Oh, and so, you know, I don't believe, you know, again, I love chiropractic. I have lots of friends that are chiropractors. Um but that everything can be healed with just one thing, you know, that you need to be able to bring more than just one thing to the table to affect healing. You know, so it's like saying, well, if you come and get adjusted, but, you know, it's okay that you stand out in the freezing cold all day because the chiropractor is going to fix you, you know. So, yeah. Anyway. So, okay. So back to the positive. Let's talk to the, about the positive effect. So it's just training for any, like, I don't want to say anyone, obviously, but. Someone that senses they have the gift, or could you take an average 
well, let's say me, for example. Just take a normal person and teach them how to read this stuff? Well, I mean, it is designed for the regular person. It takes you from, you know, not knowing anything, and it walks you through this whole process. I mean, it comes from the belief that we all have the ability to tune into subtle energy, whether it's doing readings or energy work, and um, communicate it, you know, to yourself or to other people. And what the issue most people have is that no one's taught them how to recognize it and validate it. Now, doing intuitive work or or energy work is kind of like dancing or or drawing. Some people are naturally gifted at it, and other people, not so much. You know, and so that you don't really find out until you've taken it. But, I mean, I... Um, graduated from the Berkeley Psychic Institute and had a number of friends, obviously, that went there. And, you know, what their primary thing was, was to teach you how to do readings. I mean, that was, you know, their main focus. But they also taught you how to do energy work as part of, but it was a a much lesser part. You know, and there were a couple of people that I worked with that, were they really good readers? Not in my opinion. I mean, they were calling me up for sessions because they thought I was really good. But, uh, you know, not in my opinion. But could they heal stuff? Oh, yeah. You know, they were very powerful that way. And so we all have our gifts. We all have our strengths. We all have the things that we bring to the table. And that's one of the other reasons, you know, that it's good to expose people to all of this stuff because you might find that, where your proficiency is or where you really shine is in this area versus this area. I mean, because, like, even at the Berkeley Psychic Institute, they just taught you how to do readings. So, you know, you would talk about things like relationships and their auric field or, you know, their finances, you know, just stuff that you would get in a reading. And one of the things that I discovered fairly early in my professional career doing readings was that, it was very easy for me to identify and evaluate health issues. And I just thought that that was just something that people that were psychic did, but apparently not that many people think about it. I'm not really sure, but it was something that came through very clear for me and very easy. And so that's why I have focused uh, my practice on that area, on the health-related area. Makes sense to me. I mean, it's it, it's better to work on the health of somebody. There's more of a, I don't want to say necessarily an immediate impact, but there's a, but there is, I guess, more of a direct impact. There we go. That's a better word for it. Well, I mean, some people think that if they have psychic abilities that they're going to be able to read themselves. And that is probably one of the most difficult things to learn how to do. It's much easier to read somebody else, and especially someone you don't even know, than it is to read yourself or read someone that you're in a really close relationship with. Those are probably the two hardest things to uh, do a session for. I would I would assume so, because it's just like the one has an immediate one to lottery kind of deal. It's self-benefit. Well, but, you know, there's stuff that you just don't really want to look at in your own space. Yeah, not too. You know, so it's kind of like, ah, oh, no, it's okay. And and when you're reading your, when you're receiving psychic information, okay, when you're receiving that, the way it comes through is in really subtle ways. I mean, it can come through in a bunch of different ways, and I'm sure your listeners have had these experiences where they're thinking, oh well. You know, I need. To, I, I have a cough right now, and I, I should probably get something for the cough. And you know, the next thing they do is they open the medicine cabinet, and boom, there's what they need. Or, you know, the you know the the information or whatever they're looking for just kind of you know manifests in front of them. Um, or there's something going on in their life, and they might be upset, and they might watch something on TV, and it's just answers the question that they, you know, with the words they need to hear to help shift them. I mean, that that in itself, and recognizing that that's happening, is the ability to receive psychic information, you know, or recognizing um, if information is coming through to you in a dream is yet another way of 
recognizing psychic information. It's not the only ways, but it's the one that tends to be the more overt and kind of happening to you versus listening to the subtle promptings that manifest within your psycho-spiritual self, which can many times we just don't pay attention to. Yeah, it's easy so. to it's easy to miss the little message, the minor message, from on a day to day basis. I've been, I've been trying to pay attention to the small things, but uh, anyways, I'm getting better at it. There we go, getting better at it. Yay! Uh, well, you know, I I have like this doctor reader rule because one of the things that I believe that if spirit wants you to do something, spirit nags. All right, my nags. Okay, so if there's something I'm supposed to do, I'll you know because I will ask myself the question, well, you know, what should I be working on now or what should I do next? You know, like I finished the book and so it's like, okay, so now what? What's the next project or what am I supposed to be doing? And I just kind of open myself up to whatever that communication is and sometimes it'll tell me something and it's like, mm. I mean, I've gotten a lot better at it. It Spirit nagged me for three years to go back to school and get um, my naturopath degree. Three years. You know, but I feel like it's one of the best things that I ever did at this point in time, and once I actually signed up for the program, I could feel this just release of, yeah, this is what you're supposed to be doing. But that only took three years. You know? <laughs> and so, you know, because I'd ask, it's like, well, what should I be doing now? And I'd get, you need to go back to school. And I'm like, you know, because I had been in school, and then I was working on a master's degree, and then I studied at uh, Berkeley, and then I moved, and so, you know, I really wasn't interested in going back to school. But in the meantime, you know, while it's telling me to go back to school, I got a hypnotherapy certification and my Reiki master certification. Um, so I was in school, but apparently that wasn't what they had in mind. And so after I finished my Ph.D. and after I finished uh, my second book, Avoiding the Cosmic 2 by 4 they told me I didn't have to go to school anymore. And they have not bugged me about it since then. Yay! <laughs> Yeah, you just probably opened the can of worms right there. That's okay though. So I've got my. Ne- I'm gonna shift gears on you again. I told you we were gonna do that tonight, just because yep. I want. I want to skim across all these things, get people to know you a little bit better. So you've wrote. I've I've got five books here via what I've researched on Amazon. Ooh, that- I have a new one that I don't even know about. Oh, I had fi- I had five. I don't know if that's that's why I'm asking you. But I guess that's the correct. That's I have four. I have four. Okay. Four. Must be probably one, maybe in paperback or something. I don't know. See, this is where I get in trouble with stuff like that. But okay. I so, mean, on my website, I have a CD set meditating on Kabbalah, and some people think it's a book, and actually, it's a CD audio CD set. Okay, so, so that might be. That might be my confusion. Okay, either way. So we'll we'll, okay. we'll, we'll stick with four books, and then okay, we'll, we'll talk about the CDs here. In, uh, well, let's talk about the CDs first. What? Why would you? What? Why? Why CDs? Why? I mean, where did that come from? Well, <laughs> that's, a, that's an easy sure. question to answer. <laughs> sure. No. Um, well, I mean, I do a lot of energy work, and I do quite a bit of guided imagery with my clients to help them shift their energy on energetic levels so that they can heal. And actually, Jim, it was a pretty interesting story tied to this. I initially... I mean, so I was kind of getting, you should make these CDs. I was like, okay. And so I had this little list that said, you know, uh, how to release pain, uh, physical pain, emotional pain, you know, just these kind of guided meditations. I don't know. I wasn't really sure what I was going to do, but I just kind of had this list of stuff that I was thinking about. And so I sat down to kind of work on, and I think the first one I wanted to work on was about Uh, letting go of physical pain. And then this little voice kept saying, well, you know, you teach this class on Kabbalah, and at the end you do this meditation. So why don't you write that down and, you know, maybe record it, but, you know, write it down. I'm like, okay. So I start working on it, and I'm typing away, you know, because I had been teaching this class on Kabbalah. And so it was... um, it was pretty fresh in my mind, you know, and it was very straight, a very straightforward meditation. And so I'm typing away, and I'm part of the way in it, but not that far into it. And 
the instructions that I'm wanting or what I'm wanting to write down was not how the meditation went. And I was like, okay, so what's that about? I mean, I just started getting really confused and, you know, and then I kept getting into this thing about, oh, well, you need to do something about the lightning path also, which is this Kabbalistic concept. Anyway, um, so I called up a girlfriend of mine. I'm like, you know, I'm working on this meditation and, you know, I I I was going to write down this thing, but I'm ending up writing down this thing, which is not the same. And then I went, oh, so the little aha moment I had was it's supposed to be three meditations. The original one, this new one that I don't even know where that one came from, plus the lightning path. You know, and then, of course, in that little advertising voice in the back of my head, it said, Oh, and there needs to be an introduction CD, and you can package it as a group of four. And I'm like, okay. Within a week, they were written, recorded, put to music, and packaged. I mean, they just, like, came right through. You know, I mean, I just had to, like, type fast. (laughs) I type fast all the time, but it's not pretty. No, (laughs) <laughs> well, fortunately, it didn't have to have any correct spellings on it, you know, because I wasn't, you know, printing the meditations. They were just all recorded. So that was good. Oh, and a little booklet. It came with a little booklet. Not a very complicated booklet. But a little booklet, too. That was in there. I mean, the whole thing was done. I was blown away. But I know that when stuff like that happens to me or when stuff like that happens to people, it's not you doing it. I mean, it's coming through your body, but it's not really yours and the feedback that I get on the CDs is that they're extremely powerful and it's like cool <laughs> makes sense to okay. me and, it, and it's got to be uh, you're, you're talking about that and I have guest on last week or the week before that was talking about audiobooks how I should take a couple of my shows and put them to uh, put them together and sell them as an audiobook and I'm thinking well that doesn't sound half bad course i've been thinking about it and thinking about it and i should just sit down and do it because like he was telling me that's the hard part you got the hard part done you've got the show recorded just sit down and input the information and da 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 but so i don't know well i mean i have seen all right i'll just say one show that actually uh sells their shows on amazon for like a buck a piece just fyi see i don't i don't think i have that kind of uh I mean, there's other Hoops shows. That, that, <laughs> well, I don't know if I, my listeners would pay a buck a piece to listen to my show. <laughs> but I think if they were together and they could listen to, you know, have them six months at a time or, you know, something like that, maybe somebody would, you know, especially somebody going on a trip and didn't want to download them all, maybe somebody would do it. Mm-hmm. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I wouldn't be on anything for putting it together, so, you know, hey. Got to think about it that way, too. So, okay, so back to real books now, because my continuing quest, one of these days, I'm actually going to start writing a book. Cool. Yeah. Everybody's What's asking, your book going to be about? I'm very I'm very conflicted. I, I Somebody tells, every day, it kind of changes. People tell me I should write a book about hosting a radio show and how to book guests and all, you know, the behind the scenes of that, because I seem to do so well on it. I, I don't know, but... Apparently, some people think that it'd be helpful for some people, and I, I think it may be. And, of course, the other part is, you know, my – I don't want to say necessarily my stories of paranormal investigating, but some of my better theories and how to develop a team, maybe not necessarily the even investigation stuff, but the team building, the the growth of that end of it. So, I don't know. That's Well, you need to just do a book on what you want the book to be about and not what other people tell you. So I, ask yourself, what should I write about? And then do that. If I, if I ask myself, I'd never do it. That'd be the thing. I'd, I'm just Well, then maybe you're not supposed to do it. <laughs> I, I barely get it. I, well, I haven't done a blog in a few weeks. See, that's. I figured if I could start turning these blogs up, maybe then I could you know, get the habit of writing down. But that hasn't... I haven't even got the habit of writing down yet, so... <laughs> You know, people are always impressed with the guests that I have on my show, and they're like, how do you do that? And I, <laughs> you know, and I always think of, and I can't remember what the show is, and I'm like, "There's oh, oh it's a, 
American, the American president with you know, Michael Douglas and uh, that lady. Anyway, you know, I always make the comment, it's like, well, there's always a certain amount of begging involved. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you, well, we'll jump there. How many, who's, who's, okay, I know this is like picking a child, I know. So I, I hate getting asked this question myself. So I'm not going to ask you to name just one. But you, I mean, I've, okay. I was looking at the list earlier. I mean, you've had Jesse Ventura and uh, Philip Calkins on, and Father uh, Sebastian, just to name a few. So, like I said, I'm not going to ask you to name one. But who? Okay, here's where I'm going. Instead of begging for a guest, if if somebody out there is listening tonight and knows whoever, who would be the guest that you'd like most like to have on your show? Well, I mean, the guests that I have been trying to get on my show and been extremely unsuccessful after multiple attempts and almost groveling and getting other people to grovel on my behalf has been uh, David Hatcher's Childress. Okay, I know the name, but in a wire distance, it connects with me. Who, who is that? He, I mean, he's on Ancient Aliens, but he's written a bunch of books on uh, ancient cultures, the... the uh, you know, he did a book on Vamanas. He's done stuff on the Olmec. I mean, he's he's pretty prolific. So, I mean, he's one of the people that I would really like to get on the show. Um, I don't know. I feel really blessed because I don't get all that many turndowns. Yeah. I just <laughs> beg good. <laughs> yeah, I, I, every once in a while I'll go out and attack a, a bigger name, but I, you know... Just rule of who comes around, and it's fun just to pick around. And like uh, last week, I had a guest on, and he got invited to speak at a paranormal event because he was on the show. And I was like, "Hey, cool for that." So it's all fun, and it's good. Yeah. To, it's good to interview different types of people, even you know the big people that you'd think have this thing, and they've they've been good, and the small people, they've all. It's it's amazing the stories that have just come out. So. Mhm. Oh, exactly. I enjoyed either you know. Everybody's got a fun story to tell, and some people, you know, I hate booking the same. I don't want to say the retreads, but you know, you, well, you're in, you're in the paranormal kind of deal. You know what I'm talking about. You you look at these show mm-hmm. banners and you go, oh, I just, I have had him on my show. I couldn't listen to another interview with that person again. And how you know it's just so oversaturated, oversaturated with that person. It just makes me sick. But <laughs> off my soapbox for a minute. Okay. Maybe. So, okay. <laughs> and, oh, we were talking about Just Energy Radio, which airs Thursdays at uh, 8 to 10 Eastern. Where does that... Eastern. Yeah, where at? Well, I mean, they can go to the Just Energy Radio webpage and listen on the player that's on that page. Uh, but it is hosted by uh, Inception Radio Network. You know, but if they go to the Just Energy Radio webpage, there are... Over six years, we'll go over six and a half years of archives on that page. And now we have a YouTube channel where it's Just Energy Radio on YouTube and has about two years of archives on that page. So, I mean, it's the same archives, obviously, but they're, you know, different formats. One's the streaming YouTube thing and the other one are MP3s that you can listen to or download. There you go. See, I've been putting mine up there on YouTube, too, just because it's free storage long term. If anybody's looking for the old, well, the old, old, okay, there's actually, there's actually video. Well, we were both on Fate Radio for a while. There's actual video of me doing, the, like, the first, well, it's probably, like, the third or fourth show that I did. Because the first three or four got deleted because I was just that kind of guy. So if you want to go watch me do a video show, because people have been begging me to go to video, go to YouTube, look it up, and you'll see why I don't do video anymore. Okay. See, I don't get the video thing personally, and I really have no desire. It's like, oh, so you can see me staring off into space and checking my email and playing with my slinky or, you know, having the cat walk across my desk and me like, you know, going, get out of here, get out of here, (laughs) you know, under my breath, you know, those kind of things. It's like, eh. Yeah, or, or I, I just don't really think it would be particularly. Enter- I don't know. It might be entertaining. I don't think it could happen. <laughs> the, 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 the last video interview I did that is, has been deleted, so you won't be able to find it. 
but there was that awkward moment where my guest was just rambling on about something really just insignificant in my mind at that point. I'm doing the the hand gesture for talking too much, blah, 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 blah. Uh Uh-huh. And I looked out at the jet room, and somebody says, that's rather inappropriate. And I went, oh, I guess it is. (laughs) Oh, I was being interviewed on one show, and it was a video chat thing. uh, And there was a caller, and the caller just was like, you know, there's what my book is about, and if you don't agree with it, fine, that's one thing. But to sit there and lecture me how your opinion is more valid than my opinion pisses me off. It's like, no, my opinion is my opinion, and your opinion is your opinion, and I have a right to have my opinion. But this person went on and on and on, and the host did nothing to shut them up. And I just, I mean, I'm on air, and I'm just like, you know, with my head on my hand, just like, is this person ever going to shut up? I mean, I was just, I was not amused. Yeah, how's that? And it's amazing. Some uh, we were we, we've been talking about being on air. You've been on air for six years. That's remarkable. That mm-hmm. that you what that you've a kept at it and b stayed sane through that all. Um. <laughs> I really like it. I have so much fun, and the more I do it, the more fun I have because it's taken me a long time to just be myself on air. And so, I mean, I'm dyslexic and so I mean I trash my guests names I try to read their bios and it's like you know (laughs) it's hysterical and then I just you know they'll say something and um, you know some weird I'll think some weird thing and then I'll just say it and you know yeah my the guys in my chat room were uh, commenting the other day it's like we're going to start writing down how many times Rita laughs throughout the show that's that's good though. I I mean, I prefer to laugh. That's my my deal. I prefer to the slaughter. I don't want to say slaughter interviews, but I like to give my listeners the full spectrum of the person, not just cuz obviously we could have talked about your book for an hour and been done with it, but where we could have talked about, you know, what one one angle of all this for an hour. I mean, I'd love to, you know, do that, but after you start getting into the details of things and it kind of goes I know it's only an hour, but I prefer something that's upbeat and energetic and very talkative, right. so you don't have to listen to all that for an hour. And you do two hours, which beats beats me to no end. I have a lot of people that do more hours than me because I just I just well, you know, and it really no and it really depends on the guest, you know. And I have to look at who they are and. Do I think they can hold a two-hour show? Because if I don't think they can hold a two-hour show, I won't bring them on for two hours, and I'll have two guests. Right. That's that's very true. That's a good thing because some people bring on a guest for two hours, and you go forty-five minutes in, you go, "Well, I'm going to be signing out now because there's no way this is going to get any better." Well, I mean, and I've had it happen. You know, I like to do shows around a topic. You know, and so we'll really focus on a topic and. And, you know, sometimes you totally run out of stuff and you're not, you're just not getting anything uh, from your guests to work with. Or, you know, I I think my hardest, I'll share this with you and your listeners. Okay, this is a secret, so you can't tell anybody. (laughs) Probably the hardest topic that I seem to have come on the show are physicists. You know, and they will start talking about stuff. Okay, except for Amit Goswami, who I love to death. He is probably one of my favorite people. Um, But they start talking about stuff, and, you know, that's when you need the video thing, that they could just see my eyes, you know, glass over. And I'm like, what? What? And, I mean, my husband will listen to the show, and he was like, were you paying attention at all? And it's like... I really tried, but I really didn't know what they were talking about. <laughs> he had me when he said hello. That's about all I understood. <laughs> no, no it's, it's those half-dead cats. <laughs> well, it beats the half-alive cats. No, I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, that's a classic physics probability thing. You do know that, right? Yes. Of course. Uh, every once in a while, you can sneak one by me, but we're okay there. So. Okay. <laughs> so I, I've got I've got to pose you an interesting, probably one of the last top. Well, we got 50, about fifteen minutes left. I got to cut. I got to do the math because got to get the outro played too. Ugh. You were talking about engineering your own show. That, that's 
makes things fun. But okay, enough about me being me. Um, magazine columnist or radio show guest, which one do you prefer? Mm. I mean, they're just so different. Uh, well, you know, radio show guest is a lot easier because I don't really have to do any work. I just have to blab. So that's like, I like that. It's a very low effort endeavor. Um, but I, it surprised me the path my life took because I never would have guessed uh, a million years ago uh, that I would write anything um, or that I would enjoy writing anything. <laughs> See, and uh, there's hope for me and everybody. <laughs> what? And I, I just, I mean, this was a lot of years ago, and I just decided I wanted to write an article about energy work, and submitted it to a local publication, and they loved it. And you know, that just kind of set things in motion. And people, you know, I write this stuff, and I'm just like. Well, I guess maybe somebody will like it. I, you know, you don't even know. I mean, I guess I just don't have a big head about it. I just write it. You know, it's like, um, you know, like I have a piece sitting on my desk about elongated skulls. I want to do something about genetic manipulation in antiquity, which I have some notes on, but I haven't written it yet. Um, you know, so I just find these topics that just seem interesting to me, and then I'll just, you know, do the research and write a piece, you know, and it's just like, Okay. Like right now, actually, the project I'm working on now, which you'll be interested in, I'm working on a video, a documentary video. About? That's exciting. That is exciting. Um, but we're back to video again. This is, say, we're bringing us all circles here, see? Um, <laughs> well, it is looking at uh, uh, artwork. I, I'm just gonna I'm gonna use that in a very generic kind of sense, uh, from the point of artistic style and iconography. So iconography is uh, symbolistic elements that you might find in a piece of artwork. Uh, so for example, if you see a guy with a red suit on and white fur around the neck with a bag slung over his shoulder, who would you maybe think that could be? Santa Claus. Right. And why is it Santa Claus? Because we have learned that those are the things that Santa would wear. You know, so even though it might be Fred the janitor, you know, if he's dressed that way, our initial reaction through training is that it is Santa. And so when you look at artwork, especially like old religious artwork from like the uh, Renaissance, I mean, they are filled with these iconographic representations, you know, of the different saints or whatever. But that concept and that usage of that concept dates back to antiquity, um, which included, which was kind of a new thing for me, which started this whole thing off. Um, there's something that's called mudras. Have you ever heard that word before? No, I have not heard that it, word before. It's a, it's a kind of new word to me, and actually the reason I even heard about it in the first place is I, I really like watching So You Think You Can Dance. And uh, and so what they do is one of the dance styles they do is Bollywood. And in this kind of uh, Indian traditional dance, they are doing these very specific hand gestures. So you know like when somebody meditates, you know, they'll take their thumb and their middle finger and they'll hold them together you know, and you see people like in that little meditative posture, you know, like, hmm. Um, but that hand symbol, you know, that hand position has a very specific meaning in Indian culture. And there are a whole bunch of them. Who'd have thunk? And so when you're looking at this art. I wonder, I'm, I'm now thinking baseball signs, but okay. No, I mean, it was just, oh. I mean, it kind of opened this whole thing. I mean, not that I'm studying what the different symbols are. But just the concept that if you look at a piece of artwork and the person's hands are doing that position or it, they have one hand up kind of facing towards you or their hands are curled up on their lap, those all mean very different things and add a level of intention or commentary to the central figure in the piece. 
And so kind of based on this idea of subtle messages being conveyed in artwork from antiquity, because these mudras are ancient, I started evaluating artwork and different things from kind of that perspective as well as from a stylistic perspective. And that's what the piece is about. I'm just going to leave it there. It actually makes things take on a very different perspective. I was just thinking with the the broader brush, or I don't have to, anyways, um, about how you know just a little simple, like you're saying, symbolism of hands of how people, you know, even like modern how people paint them, and you know, all it just makes you wonder. Makes me. But wonder. it also makes you wonder how much we've actually lost. You know, you look at, and I'm sure your listeners have all seen uh, images that come out of like Mayan pictures. You know, and they got those weird outfits on and they're holding weird things and they're like standing in weird ways and they all look weird uh, to me. Okay, they all look weird to me. And you can't quite figure out what the heck is going on. (laughs) All right, I can't. Maybe somebody else can. And so today we can only make assumptions. If you can figure out those Mayan things, go to JustEnergyRadio.com and send her an email and be a guest on our show. Yeah, but it has to be, like, for real and not just something that you made up because that just really pisses me off, too. Anyway. Um, well, just go well, on the show and get chewed you out. Either looking, way. You start looking at this stuff and you read, you know, what scholars say about a lot of this stuff. You know, it's for ritualistic purposes. It's like, really, everything on the planet, you know, prior to, you know, 3000 B.C. was for ritualistic purposes. Um well, and makes, so, I, you know, excuse. but there's yeah. this, there, but there's, to me, when we look at these pieces, there is a whole vocabulary that we have lost because we have lost our connection to what the symbol means. And so if 500, so let's say Christmas stopped this year, no more Christmas, 500 years from now, would people have an inkling if they saw an image of the guy in the red coat? Um, that that was Santa, and what that implied, or would they just think it was some weird guy wearing this, you know, like really loud outfit? You make a very good, very good point. And how are we going to preserve our culture? I guess is the word I'm looking for. Well, and how much of our culture has been lost because we've lost the key to understanding what they were trying to communicate to us. That's just phenomenal. That's just, that's a whole. See, we could have talked about that for an hour. Well, the movie's going to be done probably. I mean, my goal is to have it done and produced by October. That's the that's the date I'm shooting for. So I'll just let you know, and you can have me back on, and you can I'll send you the video and everything, and it'll be extra cool. That'll be great because I'm booked through February, so we'll be. <laughs> 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 so I'll be sure to have you. Uh... So good though. It's it's such a relief, uh, relief to you know I sit down and do that over the course of like a week, book out for a couple months. It's so feels so good to have it done because I I couldn't do it last minute. I'd be such a wreck. I don't have anybody next week. I don't know what I'm going to do. I have people that I know people that do that. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I I thought about doing it and just letting it blow in the wind, and then I'm like, I'd be a wreck because I know I know myself that if I you know. And then that's probably where some of these people come from that retread guests because they haven't took the time and they know, hey, so and so will be all, yeah, he'll come on seven straight weeks and we can talk. <laughs> oh, ooh. yeah, I, I don't, you know, I have to have like at least a six month window minimum. <laughs> yeah. Before I'll have somebody come on back on, and then it has to be for a really good reason. You know, like Nick Redford. Nick and I are good friends, and you know, but he writes so many damn books. So it's easy to have mom because it's always a different topic, you know. You know, so it's not like we're we're talking about the same thing. It's you know, every six months, you know, he's released three new books, and it's like, and then I'll have him on. It's always so funny. So Nick, when's the new book coming out? Oh well, in two weeks. And I'm like, dang. Yeah, you just got, uh, it takes. You just got oh, the interview man. booked for the one, and he's already got the next one. Then it's just uh, phenomenal. Pretty much. I mean, it's yeah. I've got to get him on my show. He's another. See, I've got so many people that I've 
I've listened to them all the time, and then like uh, somebody said, I should have Michael Hanks on, and I've listened to him be interviewed a dozen times. It never, the wires never connected. I should actually talk to the guy. You know, this is what <laughs> I do. You know, it's just sometimes it goes. Eh. Anyway, okay, so we're winding down with time. So before I forget, because I will if I don't do it right this second, give me your websites. Give me, give me all that. You know, all that jargon that every, you know yeah. everybody wants that good stuff. Okay, so my main website is soulhealer.com. That's S-O-U-L-H-E-A-L-E-R, soulhealer.com. And I tell people that's kind of the main portal to everything Dr. Rita Louise, you know, so you can get information about the books and CDs, uh, excuse me, the products and services I offer. You can get to the Just Energy Radio webpage. You can get to the training website. web page, information about the training that we talked about earlier. So that's kind of like, you know, if you're going to remember one thing, that would be the one. Uh, if you want to listen to the show, that is www.justenergyradio.com. It airs live on Thursday evenings from 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can go to the Just Energy Radio website or listen on inceptionradionetwork.com. Uh, the power or... Man Made, The Chronicles of Our Extraterrestrial Gods, Dark Angels, An Insider's Guide to Ghost Spirits and Attached Entities, which we didn't talk about, Avoiding the Cosmic 2x4, and The Power Within are my different books. They are all available on Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, Man Made, The Chronicles of Our Extraterrestrial Gods, and Dark Angels, An Insider's Guide to Ghost Spirits and Attached Entities are both available in Kindle formats, obviously on Amazon.com. But, but... Yes, I'm if sitting down. If you buy them directly from me on the Soul Healer site, they all come signed, and that's priceless. That is. That's something that, you know, you, well, I guess there's these, these autograph sites that you can get through for your, your Kindle, but there's still something about having the... Uh, I guess that would have been a good moment to have a video show because I tapped my notebook there. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I, I I still write my notes out on paper for the show. I just have these little cryptic pieces of paper with like all little scratch outs on it, and, yeah, and sometimes I can't read a little read doodle it. on it tonight and stuff. But uh, yeah, if if I were to like fall out of the chair and ask to have somebody like walk in and start hosting the show for me, they'd be clueless about my notes. Well, <laughs> and I think I've come to the conclusion that I, I really need to wear my glasses when I'm doing these interviews because I'm like. I can't even read this piece of paper anymore. <laughs> like, what does it say? Oh, focus, focus. Yeah, I'm wearing mine tonight. I've been getting better. I don't know. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. No promises. I hear that? No promises <laughs> at all about that. So, hey, I want to thank you for jumping on with me. I know we tried to do this before, and I, I was an idiot. So I want to thank you for being patient with me. No, I've I've been kind of looking forward to getting to spend some time with you and stuff. So yay! Yeah, and you know it's all good. You know where to find me if you ever need a guest to ramble on about nothing for an hour or two. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds good to me. Soulhealer dot com, and I'm going to leave it at that. And have a good night. Okay. Good night. Push this out. Push this buddy. Push this out. It's outro button since I figured out which one I signed oh, for. To, a quick reminder. For all things about the report, previews, and reviews, go to italkparanormal.com. This is Tom. Get connected with Take Two Radio on Facebook or Twitter at Take Two Radio. For email updates on future shows, follow at Blog Talk Radio. For previous episodes, upcoming guests, and more, visit Take2Radio.com.